all the files of the whole park. It tells you everything. Sir, he's uploading the virus. Eagle One, the package is being delivered. Hello out there on the internet. I am Matthew Galt, and this, this is Cyber. And it's cipher time, baby. It's that infrequent style of cyber where we do, where we decipher the motherboards. I'm going to try that again. (laughs) I did it like three times uh, so I could, so I could run through it and I had it nailed and I just, I I screwed it up live and now I'm embarrassed. It's cipher time, baby. It's that infrequent style of cyber we do where we decipher motherboards tech coverage. It's a potpourri for the Panopticon age. And on today's episode, we've got a little bit of everything. A popular hiking app reveals that, once again, we just can't trust private companies with our data. What about our passwords? Surely a company that bills itself as secure, uh, as a secure way to remember all of those logins is safe, right? Of course not. No. What kind of show do you think you're listening to? Also, Twitter Ditches Tour, and just for fun, another wonderful story about cheating in online video games. That's right, we're going to talk about the Tarkov Wiggle. With me here today to go through all of this is Motherboard's own Joseph Cox. JC, how are you doing today? All good, all good. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. All right, so let's start off with All Trails. What is All Trails? So All Trails is a hiking app. You can kind of think of it similar to Strava, which you know is a running and I think a cycling app as well and other forms of exercise. And basically you use this app to find a hiking route. You can select them, you can review them, uh, you can find where to go and you can track your own progress as well. So it's almost beyond just a fitness app it's also something of a social network you know people can follow you people can uh, interact with one another through this app but as we found that social network element brings up some interesting potential privacy issues yeah what's going on here you talked to one call them a hacker security researcher right that found some vulnerabilities yeah. in all trails yeah, so the security uh, security researcher reached out and they said that they had found what they believed to be the All Trails account of a former top Biden administration official. Uh, the reason for this was that, you know, some of the activity on All Trails correlated with visits that this official had um you know, publicly made made public statements about. So cross-referencing them, it looked like, hey, this looks like the right account. They asked me, well, first of all, do you think this is the account? And obviously that's something I wanted to verify. But secondly, this goes, if correct, and later obviously we verified there was, that you can track someone's movements, pretty precise movements through all trails, it seems. Like this official, we saw him visiting the White House, and then the suite of apartments that he went to afterwards. Uh, He went to various international events. And then most importantly, and I believe the researcher did this as well, but they didn't point me to it. I figured this out by myself, was that I went through a lot of the hikes on this profile, and they kept a lot of them kept starting in the same place. And I go to Google Street View, I find a house, I find a number, I then look up public records, and I find it is registered, linked, owned by this official's family, heavily suggesting that either the official lives here or at least his family 
does, you know? So that is very quick from finding some public data, uh, which is just fitness information, to then finding where an official lives. And I say this uh, person was a former official, and, and that's true at the time of writing. But, you know, a massive chunk of the All Trails activity was while they were in office. As I said, they were going to the, the White House. So does this, just to make sure that I understand, All Trails was tracking them even when, like, the app wasn't on and they weren't registering that they were on a hiking trip? It just, the app always kind of knew where they were? No, this is the recorded hikes. Okay. So, it, so they say that you, you wouldn't be able to figure out somebody's house, probably, if they weren't doing hikes literally from their home. But this is what it appears the official was doing. They were starting their hike. You know, I guess you could just call it a walk, right? It doesn't have to be a hike. They were starting their exercise from the home. They then did a lap, a loop or whatever, uh, and then brought it back to the same place. So it's just the public fitness activity data that's being used to track this person's uh, movements. Now, of course... Uh, all trails or other fitness apps can potentially collect data in the background as well, but that's not what you see on the on the public side, and that's what we're focusing on because it's especially interesting when this is an expected feature right. of the app. You know, this isn't a vulnerability, a, a literal software vulnerability or hardware vulnerability or whatever. This is a privacy, a potential privacy issue that's come up because of simply how this is designed and the way it's actually supposed to work. But maybe not everybody <laughs> wants to use an app that's supposed to work in that way. And we, we don't know about this until we write about it. Well, so it's auto, there's no way, is there a way to use the app privately or is it just kind of automatically public? It's an automatic share, essentially. Automatically, by default, it is all public. That will be your completed trails, uh, activities, maps, and I think some other information. You can go into your settings and change it to followers only. As I mentioned, you know, people follow you like a social network, or you can set it just to yourself. So nobody else is going to see it, and you can use it just as a personal uh, fitness tracker. In my tests, you know, because I signed up to make an account, whenever we you know, poke and probe these sorts of apps. I always try to go through the process myself and I made an account and there wasn't any sort of pop-up saying, hey, by the way, all of your activity is going to be public. I can understand why a company would not do that because it may freak some people out. But maybe some people want to know that as well. I'm not sure that... uh, I'm I'm not sure how many users would be aware that I downloaded this app and now it's broadcasting all of my information, some of which is indexed by Google. Right. And you can literally do a Google search and then find it. I don't think necessarily, uh, well, I don't think all of the users are going to know that uh, for sure. I assume you've never had the startling pleasure of getting an email from Google telling you, uh, like, hey, here's everywhere you've been for the past six months. It was quite a fascinating journey, wasn't it? Have you seen I, that? I didn't, you know? even know, I didn't even know that was a thing. So, no, I don't get them, and that's crazy. Yeah, I it's, don't want that. Uh, like the first time I got one, I was shocked, and then I went and messed with all of my settings to make sure that it never happened again. Uh, but yeah, will Google will kind of keep track of through your phone and you know all all the all the ways that uh, all the companies are looking at you all the time keeps track of where you are in any given moment and uh, like a nice surprise uh, once every six months send you uh, an email and says like hey here's everywhere you've been and like you were in DC and do you remember this trip at this time and like when a company kind of emails you out of the blue like that it's frightening to me. Uh, personally, <laughs> I don't, I don't care for that. Um, right. and, and a good reminder, as you said, that you went in and changed those 
settings. Now, if all trails or any of similar apps uh, contacted their users and said, by the way, <laughs> this is on blast to everybody, maybe some people would change their, their privacy settings. But, you know, that it, it's a trade-off between what the company wants to design, which is a social network, and what the individual user wants, really. You know, if we signed up to Facebook back in the day and there was a big disclaimer saying everything you post is going to be public, well, I mean, we saw what happened with Facebook, right? They had to right. introduce a ton of these granular, uh, very explicit uh, privacy toggles. And those privacy toggles are there for all trails, but they're behind a couple of pages of settings that you have to go through. How did you figure out that this was the Biden officials account or former Biden officials account? Um, so a combination of what I mentioned earlier about how the activity on the all trails account does correlate with some activity they announced publicly. So you could say, oh, they were in this city at this time, that sort of thing. That's sort of the first thing. Uh, then there's the house, obviously that, that, that was very useful. Uh, but one of the pretty, uh, important pieces of verification was that I was, uh, able to get his personal email uh from somebody and what i then did was i went to all trails i tried to create an account with that email address now if he doesn't have an account on there i will be able to create one uh and if he does have an account on the service already i won't be able to do that because he's already made an account i know that was a very convoluted way of saying it but it's basically a way to be like well I will try and sign up with the account and hopefully it will block me because it already exists. Now I can't prove that that personal email address is linked to that account, but I know that this official has an account on all trails now. And it's combined a, with all the other information. That's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it's an overwhelming amount of, uh, it's an overwhelming amount of circumstantial evidence, right? That all kind of points in one direction. You've got, Actually, you've got, uh, housing records that show that someone owns the, a particular piece of property, um, you've got trails outside of that piece of property and you know, you can't log in with his personal email, their personal email, because it won't let you because it exists already. They won't let you make an account. Um, that's pretty wild. Right. What did all trails yeah. say when you reached out to them? I mean, they stressed their, their sort of a, a public facing community, right? Like what I've been saying about the social network, that is the design of their product. And they did point to, you know, various pages of here's an FAQ we have about privacy. And it does include helpful information on how to, you know, delist your results from Google searches, that sort of thing. Um, they didn't answer when I asked, you know, have you had any conversations with U.S. government officials about this? And now that, that may seem like a like an almost baity question, like trying to make something out of nothing. But I actually think it's an important question because, as we've seen with Strava before, this similar app where they had a similar issue where people using that app were inadvertently revealing the location of unknown military bases because it was creating a heat map. You know, that created massive fallout with the US government and potentially the US military who then took action to say, we got we got to have our people stop using these apps on military bases. So I think it's fair to ask all trails, like, have you spoken to the US government about this ever? You know, maybe years ago when Strava happened, right? Uh, they didn't answer that. And I guess I just should, should say that the reason we're not naming this former top Biden official is because he didn't respond to requests for comment, you know? And not just that, I mean, the main reason is that their profile is still public, you know, so I, I don't really want to 
point a bunch of people to this right. pu- piece of public information, which, yes, is public, yeah, but also, as we showed, this is very, very sensitive as well. The The public interest here is showing the broader potential privacy issues of fitness apps, not to put one guy on blast. You know, that's not that's not the point. Uh, it's funny you mentioned Strava. One of our one of our uh, uh, viewers is talking about it in chat right now. I use Strava. I bet it's the same way. Uh, and it sounds like I know you've reported on this before. This is something that Pentagon has actively talked about. Uh, it is essentially the same way, right? Yeah, basically the same way. I would, the, the sort of the main difference in that when Strava a few years ago, basically a security researcher went to this heat map feature that Strava has and you just go on in your web browser and you can search anywhere in the world and it's like, oh, here's a big red spot. That means a load of Strava people, uh, Strava users are running there or whatever. And they found that, well, they're running in these very particular laps somewhere in Djibouti or whatever. You know, I just made that up. But then they're finding, well, there's nothing there. And now turns out that's a drone base or, or something like that. You know, there were plenty of examples like that. And yeah, afterwards, Strava had to take steps. I, they made some sort of changes to the heat map. I can't remember exactly what, but the main thing was, yes, the US military responding that we have to somehow police the use of this apps, uh, use of these apps. Because when you, when you work in a company or a government agency, there's this, you know, this very common thing called bring your own device, you know, BYOB, uh, BYOD, sorry. <laughs> That's bring your own beer. That's the only one I know, the acronym that comes to my head. <laughs> bring your own device. And then that's one thing in a company and you're using the Wi-Fi network, whatever. It's another if you're bringing your own device and you're doing laps around somewhere that launches drones to fire Hellfire missiles or something like that. You know, it's a little bit more serious, but it's the same issue where you have people doing their jobs, bringing their own phones with their own apps. And that is where all trails and Strava and all these sorts of um, companies coalesce. I'm just imagining uh, U.S. service members in the Horn of Africa doing laps around that base in Djibouti. Um, looking at the drones and not thinking a thing of it as they as they mm-hmm. use all trails or Strava to 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 chart their progress, sharing with other people at the base, uh, telling other people, you know, these are the best trails to use. Here, I can share it with you on my phone. Not even thinking about the implications of it. Why do you think we're? I mean, obviously, these companies don't do a great job of informing people about what they're signing up for, but it seems like we're also bad at protecting ourselves do you think that's true do you think that, that there's a certain amount of responsibility that we bear when we sign up for these services do we not think about the bargains we make enough uh i think i think it's both i think the companies generally definitely don't do enough to make it clear to their users that this information will be on blast it will be largely publicly accessible i don't think they communicate that very well and i don't think users necessarily understand that well i'm doing this activity by myself it's just me and my phone and i'm just doing a lap in strava or all trails or whatever uh they don't make the connection between that individual isolated activity you know you might just be running by yourself and how that's going to be archived on the internet potentially for a very very long time uh, there is a disconnect there, and I hate to blame the user, and, 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 I'm, and I'm not going to. All I would say is that if people are concerned about this, they should think about what apps 
they are using because every single one is going to be ever so slightly different and review the privacy settings at least for all trails it was fairly straightforward it was settings privacy settings and then it comes up with a little dialogue box that is pretty simplistic uh, and to the point but yeah we just need to be more aware of the information that we're putting out there because you, you think it's on the phone and and, and it's not it's, it's totally not well yeah the phone is connected to everything else right that's why you right. that's why we all love them so much uh except you you weirdo uh mm-hmm. perhaps the safest man on the internet um but there's there's a trade-off there and you have to be you are ultimately responsible for yourself uh and you cannot trust these companies you just can't They've proven over and over and over again that you can't trust them. Um, and with that in mind, what's going on with LastPass? I mean, LastPass is a company that we think now you basically cannot trust with right. your passwords. Um, which, look, it's a very, very bold thing to say. And like, I don't really like coming out and like hitting against particular products. And I certainly don't like endorsing other products either. That's just not our vibe. But LastPass has been breached seven times in the past 10 years. And the news we're referring to is more information about this recent breach, which happened in August slash the the end of last year. And to give a very quick timeline, uh, August around by that time, hackers break into LastPass, they steal some limited information. And then later, they pivot, they come back, and they do end up taking the most important part, password vaults, which are the files, I guess it's a simple way of calling it, that you store backups of your passwords in. And look, these are encrypted. They will need to be broken in by guessing the password, brute forcing, or through some other mechanism. But some hackers do have backups of LastPass password vaults. Um, We knew all that until... Just recently, that when this more information came out, and the reason we're talking about it now, is that the hackers were exceptionally persistent. They targeted a engineer at LastPass, and they infected their home computer through a through a third party piece of streaming software, Plex. I think it was called. I'm not super familiar with Plex, but perhaps you know some listeners know it. I've I've um, used it actually. Yeah. It's the. I mean, it, it's 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 a great piece of software for just like if you have an MP4 or something on your computer to get it onto the TV in the other room. It's it's that kind of thing. That's what it's for. It's like MB or one of these other products. When I saw that, I was like, oh, that's wild. That's great. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and this actually made me go, and I do this every so often, but this was a great reminder to just go check like what software I have installed right. on a computer. And I, I removed some stuff that was like, well, I don't think that's vulnerable or I don't know anything about it, but I don't need that right now, so I'm removing it. Uh, and look, this isn't a broad attack. Uh, well, obviously stealing a lot of password vaults, but the, the hack of this engineer is exceptionally targeted. And you may think, well, you know, So why do we need to care? I think we need to care because it shows that the hackers who got those password vaults are incredibly resourceful and they really care and they really wanted those password vaults. Now, look, we don't know who it is and I'm I'm not even going to speculate whatsoever. I don't think that's helpful, apart from the fact that these hackers know what they're doing to exploit a vulnerability in Plex to get into the home computer of a specific engineer working for LastPass. That is 
wild. And just to bring it back to, you know, why we're why we're sort of putting blame on LastPass, even when they're the target of a very sophisticated attack. Password management companies, they're not ordinary tech companies. Right. You, know, you have the social networks or whatever, you have email providers, whatever. I don't think you should accept anything less than world-class security from a password manager. Now, you know, maybe people will push against that, and but, but you're paying for the service. Literally for LastPass, you pay for this service to back up and protect your passwords and make them more convenient, and they failed repeatedly over a decade, and now they've lost the password vaults. Uh, that's just insane to me. And as a consumer, on a pure, like, cold consumer level, you should not put up with a product that inferior. <laughs> you know? It feels like the only safe thing to do is to not use these password vaults and just have like a notebook, you know, a physical but, notebook that's in your possession that has all of that in it. I mean, that's well, dangerous too, but yes, it is very dangerous, very dangerous because then you'll lose, you'll lose that book. You'll forget it's in there or whatever. But I would just stress that the, the stolen password vaults, as far as I know, were backups which is that it's a feature of LastPass where, yes, you you have all your passwords locally in, in a little file there, but they also sync it to the cloud. So if you do lose your phone or something like that, you can get your passwords back. Now, that sounds like a great feature. And, you know, maybe with other password managers, maybe somebody could find an alternative and be happy with that as a consumer. Um, do you use But they screwed up. Yeah, yeah, I use the baked-in one on iOS. Yeah. And Mac, uh, because Apple has end-to-end encryption on the password vault, and they even had that before introduced end-to-end encryption on iCloud. Um, it syncs fantastically, um, and and it, this is getting aside a little bit, but it also has a baked-in two FA app, two uh, FA code generation service, which I only found out like two months ago because Apple does a terrible job of advertising it. Right. So I've actually gone through the process of migrating everything away from my sort of variety of 2FA apps over into the Apple 2FA one, end-to-end encrypted, and backed up. If I lose a device, I have the other device. If I lose both devices, I can get back into it. So I'm not going to advocate for a particular product. I'm just saying that's what I particularly do, and I'm okay with that. Well, you're in the iOS ecosystem too, right? And that makes yeah, yeah, that makes it that makes it easier for you. And Apple has always it's like there's criticisms. There's lots of criticisms to lobby at Apple about this stuff. They've always been pretty good, right? Yeah, like Apple is not immune to getting hacked. Absolutely no, no way. But I'm I'm going to trust them generally out of the selection that's on offer. Yeah. Uh, all right. I've got a couple of questions and suggestions in here from chat. I want to run through some of this. We may not have answers to, uh, but I'm just going to throw it out there just in case uh, someone is suggesting Bitwarden. Do you know anything about Bitwarden? Uh, not, not enough not to enough? say. And again, I wouldn't want to endorse it. All right. I would say is that when I tweeted the piece, some people were pointing to Bitwarden. So if you are looking for an alternative, do your own research and have a look. Sure. But I wouldn't endorse it in any particular way. Um, this one I do think is a good idea. I use something similar. YubiKeys, Fido, uh, the authentic, like for, especially for very sensitive things. I think that stuff's pretty good. 
Uh, I know that's not a specific product, right? It's kind of more of a method of two-factor authentication. What do you think about that? I mean, that is great as well, but you need you need a password manager as well, typically, because typically the YubiKey or the hardware security token, whatever, is probably going to be the second factor. You still need the first factor, which is the password, right? Now, maybe you could use a YubiKey to protect the password manager. You know, that would be great. Yeah, and I think some services uh, do that. But this is more than just authentication into one website or service. This is how do I not only just protect my passwords, but, you know, make them convenient and actually usable. Because again, to go back to sort of the notepad example, yes, that that's the safest one from, you know, an internet security point of view. But when it's such a pain in the ass to type in those long passwords, you're going to make the passwords shorter. Right. You know, That's and it's fair. the same myth about how people are always like, oh, you should always change your passwords every 90 days. Well, then they change it to password 92 or whatever. You know, they just add a different number on it. It's stupid. Um, so we need password managers and I think they're a great tool. I just don't think you should trust LastPass anymore. Do we know there's so LastPass also allowed you to save secure notes um, small bits of text in your password vaults. Do you know? Do we know if that was also breached? I think that was mentioned. Okay. Yeah, and all I, all I would say is that we've been given sort of like data types that were taken, like the password vaults, and then some other uh, information as well. But there's no like numbers coming out of LastPass. Like they haven't said this number of users or this percentile or, or whatever. Uh, which is annoying. And well, you know, maybe I missed that. And if I did, sorry about that. But from what I remember, they haven't given any numbers. So that's something, something else to bear in mind as well. Yeah. How do you close safely a LastPass account? How do you get out of that ecosystem? You would want to attempt to download the database itself if it allows you to do that. If it does not you will have to go through uh, and there should be a way to export. I'm pretty sure there is actually. And and I'm not going to say specific companies, but I know other password managers do offer a tool for if you're on LastPass or another service, here's an export tool. So I would look around for that, first of all. Um, Once you have that sorted or before you have it sorted, the other thing I would just stress is that don't go start like changing passwords until like you're absolutely sure you have one, you know, maybe you don't need to change them. Maybe if you just have the backup, that's absolutely fine. But considering that the last pass has been breached, not only do you probably want to change service, you probably want to change your passwords as well, because you don't know whose hands they're in now. Right. And that would include not just the passwords on the individual services and especially your email account, which you know gives access to everything else, but your master password, which is the thing that you use to log into LastPass in the first place, you absolutely want to be changing those. Unfortunately, right? We've got it pulled up here, uh, and I linked it in the chat, just in the Twitch chat. Uh, how do I export stored data from LastPass as a generic CSV file? You can do it; it can be done. <laughs> uh, but as you said, make sure you've got the next. You've got the next step, right? You know yeah. where you're going. And when you export that CSV, be very, very careful with that CSV because that's just a spreadsheet with all your passwords in it. So you, after you've done the export import to another service, I don't think you really want to have that spreadsheet laying around probably because 
then what's the point of having a password manager? You've just got a spreadsheet on your desktop with all your passwords. <laughs> yeah, which is almost as bad as me having like a physical notebook, right? Right, right. right. Um, you already mentioned this. I just want to read this off as well. Uh, rotating passwords on a schedule leads to other security issues. Think of how many offices you can walk into and find passwords on Post-its next to computers <laughs> that those passwords are used on is basically a trope in video games sourced from real life. Oh, yeah, we've got a, I, I don't know what the answer is, uh, to password management other than to, again, be vigilant and responsible and expect, the absolute best, as you said, from the people that you're trusting or the, the companies that you're trusting this information with. Right. And if there is, I mean, LastPass has had so many chances and has repeatedly kind of stumbled. So I think, um, as you see, you know, like it's not journalistic of us to endorse or, uh, decry one specific product, but I think that that's probably a judgment call that we can make on LastPass at this point. Right. Yeah, totally. All right, cyber listeners, we are going to pause there for a break. We will be right back after this. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. All right, cyber listeners, welcome back. We are on with Joseph Cox, talking about a little bit of everything. Uh, what is going on with Twitter and Tor? Yes. So on March 6th, a few days ago, the Tor Onion service, basically the dark website, if you want to call it that, for Twitter, uh, went offline. Its certificate expired, and that means that you can't connect to it. The certificate is you know, a security mechanism to make sure you're connecting to the legitimate site, and that went dark. It went offline. Um, what the Tor Onion service is, is a way for people to more easily and reliably and securely, in a way, connect to Twitter through the Tor anonymity network. So you have Tor, and you know, you're browsing the internet anonymously, um, and you can go visit Twitter normally. You might get a bunch of captures. It might really suck from a user perspective. So what Twitter did uh, last year was that they launched the Tor Onion service. So you just connect through Tor to this dedicated site specifically for that purpose. The reason they did that was um, because, you know, Russia was invading Ukraine and Russia had banned Twitter in some form. You know, they have these various bans at various different points in time. So I'm just going to say ban because that's why it was accurate at the time. Um, so the, the Tor Onion service, Twitter spun it up so Russian people and people connecting from Russia could more easily access Twitter. Fantastic. That brings us to what happened now to wrap that, wrap this up, which is that it's dead. And Elon Musk, you know, I'm not saying he personally uh, killed it. And that's, that's not what it says in the piece, but I think it's fair to say his priorities are elsewhere. If this 
very clearly anti-censorship tool is now dead. Yeah, that's super. I don't think killed is probably the right word. I think uh, neglect. Let die. Let yeah. let die. Yeah, I think is probably the way to go. Right. Um, people who rely on onion services for an extra layer of protection and guarantee that they are accessing the content they are looking for now have one fewer way of doing so safely. That's why we feel it's necessary to highlight all the ways in which Tor supports the community of global internet users and in accessing information freely and safety safely. And this is a, this is a little bit of an ironic piece of news given uh, one of the reasons Musk bought Twitter in the first place, right? Supposedly. Yeah. I mean, Musk has repeatedly said he believes in free speech. His definition of free speech may uh, differ from other people's, may differ from, you know, specifically what the First Amendment says, blah, blah, blah. You know, there are different, there are lots of different ways of conceptualizing and defining and thinking about free speech. But when you have something that's unambiguously good for basically any definition of free speech as a secure way to access Twitter and that dies. I mean, even if it's not deliberate, it shows the priorities are not actually in the free speech. And I have no problem saying that if this was a priority, it wouldn't have died. You know, if this was a priority, it would already be running right now. And I haven't checked it today, but the last time I saw it, it was still down. All right, let's let's end on something a little more fun, um, if frustrating for you personally as a Call of Duty player. Um, one of the things that you have to deal with when you're playing online video games is cheaters. There's all these cheaters everywhere. You're getting wall hacked. You're getting aim botted. Your head explodes. Um, Call of Duty. You can watch the person afterwards. You can spectate them. I play a game called Hunt Showdown. You can spectate people there. Um, if you think of Death is Mysterious, you can report those players. It seems pretty... When you're watching them, it can become pretty apparent if they are cheating or not. There are certain behaviors that you look for. Um, however, there's a very popular game um, that is being rocked by a cheating scandal right now. Uh, and the game is called Escape from Tarkov. What... What's and you've reported on this. I think we've got something else coming out. Um, you are not a PC gamer, but you mm-hmm. are you are a gamer and you are uh, an excellent first person shooter player. You know what Tarkov is. Um, and we kind of I, I, I know when I was sick, this kind of story kind of broke. I recently got caught up on it like yesterday. I watched all the videos and was absolutely kind of stunned and fascinated. What's going on here? Yeah, so as you say. In Tarkov, you can't see the perspective of the person who killed you. So it's very hard to detect cheaters. But players of the game, you know, many of them can't shake the feeling that there has to be cheaters in here. Like, how are these people seeing me through these walls? So this YouTuber uh, known as Goat, he decided to do a little experiment. He bought Tarkov cheats himself. And then he went into matches with, you know, ESP, extrasensory perception, or just wall hacks, people call it. And he could see people across the map. Okay, that's that's interesting, whatever, but it doesn't really prove anything. He started getting in fights where he thought, that, that person may have had cheats as well, because they could see me coming around the corner. But, like, the key bit of genius in the experiment is that he did something called the wiggle. Now, I wasn't familiar 
with the wiggle yes exactly that but apparently this is like a very known thing yes in cheating communities yes well not yes. just the cheating community it's it's known in the tarkov community I, I played tarkov for a little bit uh but it got very frustrating but um tarkov has a function where you can peek left and right you can kind of plant yourself in one position and move the top of your body left and right to like peek around a corner um and so it is a way to communicate before proximity chat kicks in like, Hey, I'm just, I'm just passing through. Let's not fight. You can kind of wiggle when you see another person. Uh, and that's a way to like indicate that you're friendly. And if they wiggle back, then you know, like, okay, we're okay. So he started doing the wiggle through the walls at other cheaters, right? Yes. And that's the key thing when he starts wiggling his character left to right and he's looking at somebody through a building or across the map, they start wiggling back. There is absolutely no way that they could have seen that unless they're cheating as well. And it became a fantastic way to basically confirm, you know, anecdotally, whatever. I still think it's pretty good that those people also had cheats. And he decided to do this again and again and again. And his sort of rough figures were that in 60% of the matches, and I think he did 125, yep. he found what he was confident in saying confirmed a cheater. And that is a massive figure for any online game, let alone one that is so hyper-competitive as Tarkov. People play Tarkov because it's hard and they want to win and they want to beat the other player. And now in over half of the matches, you have somebody cheating. And it's not, it's not like a Call of Duty or another game where you can run in and, or like an Apex Legends or an Overwatch where kind of the, your status quo returns to zero between matches. Um, in Tarkov, you are competing over resources within the game itself. If you die, you can lose those resources. You could be set back hours if you have a bad match. And to know that like there's, uh, there's conservatively probably a 50% chance that you're going to run into somebody that can just see you through a wall and then shoot you as soon as you turn a corner. That's that doesn't feel good in a game like this. Um, And there's another, there's a little bit, this is something that people in the Tarkov community have been complaining about for a while. And there's other accusations going on. Like, did he get banned from the subreddit? Uh, he, he is banned from the subreddit, but when I spoke to a subreddit moderator, they said that was actually from a while ago because of breaking policies about oversharing his videos. He then denied that as well. And it got to the point where I was like, I'm not interested in the, in the Reddit, in the Reddit back and forth, you know, I'm interested in the cheating, but yeah, sure. There's accusations going back and forth, but on the cheating stuff, the fallout has been tangible you know to the point where the, the developers have chimed in and then i think um what did the developers uh, friend, say? The developers said you know help us catch these guys it's really bad and very much shifting at least in my eyes shifting the blame onto the cheaters rather than the devs when you know in actuality both are very much responsible uh and then they did like a big band wave uh, where they, I believe, actually included the usernames of the cheaters they banned, which is very unusual. Right. You know, you, we don't usually see that with bans. Um, but now we'll just we'll see if they can actually regain trust. Because if you have cheating in a competitive multiplayer, especially a shooter like that, your 
audience will migrate. And I know that playing a lot of Warzone 1, where we had a massive cheating problem to the point where Activision and the dev studios, they made, look, we have a new anti-cheat. That was a major part of their marketing strategy. It wasn't an afterthought. It was front and center because you have to, because if somebody believes that they were in a fight and it was unfair, they're not going to play the game. No, I mean, you see, you end up with a situation where all that's left in the game is the cheaters, right? And that's not fun. Not even fun for the cheaters because there's no lambs for them to, 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 to prey on. Um, when are you going to get a gaming PC? What are you going to do? Uh, well, well, I mean, I'm actually trying to avoid all the cheaters. So <laughs> I'm going to stick to my beautiful little PS5 and turn off crossplay, And I don't have to deal with any of this, you know? You're, you're making your experience inferior. I'm actually improving it, you know? I didn't, <laughs> that's, you know a new, I, that's a new excuse. I didn't expect this argument, and uh, I don't have a rebuttal. Yeah. I don't yeah, have a rebuttal. It's true. Um, yeah. Somebody in the chat says, careful, Matthew will rope you into playing Hunt. That is what this is about, in fact. Yeah, yeah. This is a long-running bit where he keeps trying and I keep resisting. And it will happen one day, I'm sure. One day. One day you're going to get in the swamp. It's going to happen. one day. All right, sir. Thank you so much for coming on to Cyber and walking us through all of this. I'm sure we're going to talk again soon. I know you've got something cooking that sounds very interesting that's related to artificial intelligence. Uh, I think we're going to be talking about next week. Maybe not with you, though. But if you like the show, uh, please follow us on Twitch and YouTube at twitch.tv forward slash motherboard TV or at youtube.com forward slash motherboard where you can watch us live, participate, jump into the chat, uh, ask us questions. We will be back next week with another uh, conversation about the horrors of the internet and why nothing is secure and you should be worried all the time. (laughs) Stay safe out there uh, and get off of LastPass. Get off of LastPass. Goodbye, everybody. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.